Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we have a very special guest, a returning guest, actually, and I'm really looking forward to catching up. Uh, the guest I'm talking about is Ryan Levesque. Last time, Ryan came on our show just as he was launching his new book, Ask. And now, just under a year later, he, it's featured as the number one national bestseller in L.A. Times, USA Today, Publishers Weekly, Inc. Magazine, and featured by Entrepreneur Magazine as one of the seven must-read books for new entrepreneurs. In 2008, armed with nothing but a $450 laptop, an Ivy League background in neuroscience, and an insatiable curiosity to understand why people buy, Ryan left a lucrative career on Wall Street and later in Shanghai to launch a multi-million dollar online publishing business that sells information and software using what's now become the Ask Formula as taught in his number one best-selling book. Ryan has used the Ask Formula to help build multi million dollar businesses in 23 different industries, generating well over $100 million in sales in the process. He and his team offer training, consulting, and implementation services for entrepreneurs and businesses at all levels. And today, he's here to continue where we left off, talk about the journey, how his survey method has evolved, and drop a few drums of wisdom for all of us on how we can use surveys to grow our profits. So Ryan, again, thank you for the call again. Long time no talk. It's very good to hear from you again. How are you doing? Daryl, my man, it's always good to talk to you. It's great to hear your voice, and I'm, I'm really glad that we have this opportunity to reconnect and continue the conversation where we left off, I guess it was a few months ago now. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that long. I believe it was February, March. I think it was in that time. You just launched that week. You were just getting ready to launch the book. Um, yeah, we were like, you know, we were trying to get a code uh, uh, so people could get the book. I think we're going to give away some copies again so people listen in. Stay tuned. If you want to hear more of like Ryan's background story and more like the top part I was talking about in the intro, about how he got started and how it evolved. Uh, we talked for about an hour about all that, the tools that he went, the learned lessons he went through and learned along the way to kind of get him to where he was right that time, ready to launch his book. And now, man, like what's like a lot has happened. I mean, your book has been a, like a reigning success and like an, I, I was about to say overnight success, but that wasn't what I meant. It's just been a huge success. Um, people are clamoring to get into your coaching programs, to attend your events. Um, everyone's kind of like got their ear on what you're doing and you know, you're working your butt off, but that's even what you do, right? I mean, you're a self-proclaimed uh, workaholic, proud of it, myself as well. So um, for you, kind of how's the year been? How's how's the ride been? Yeah, it's been. Thanks for all those 
words there. That's really awesome. Uh, it's been a, it's been a great year. Um, we launched the book. The book officially released on April twenty first, and I just got our numbers from our publisher. And at least through June, uh, we've eclipsed fifty thousand copies of the book sold. And since June, I expect that we've sold anywhere from another fifteen twenty thousand copies of the book. Um, the way the publishing industry works is they report on such a delay, so it's never you never get up to the minute numbers. You kind of get up to the minute numbers from three or four months ago. So pretty excited about. <laughs> that and um, the book became a number one bestseller and we've just been working hard ever since to really get the message out there that the book tells which is using surveys and asking questions to help guide your decision making as a marketer as a business owner and asking the right questions to get the right type of information that you need Mm, 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 mm. And you've even, I mean, it's just even the experience for you, just having like, you know, probably being interviewed a lot and, you know, having people reach out to you and say, hey, thanks because of your book, you know, and all the testimonials that come in whenever you launch something that's valuable and people actually really, it's not an empty box. Um, you know, that's very overwhelming. And I even remember you were like overwhelmed. You were traveling. I don't know where you were going, but you saw your own book in the airport. Can you talk about that yeah. for a minute? Like what that's like? <laughs> That's like a surreal experience. That's like, you know, it's like if you've ever run into some, if you've ever traveled, like, and I know you've spent a lot of time in Japan and, and traveling, and it's like if you've ever traveled somewhere and you bump into someone that you know from, like, back home when you're, like, halfway across the world, and it takes your brain, like, a second to compute what exactly just happened. Like, imagine if you saw, like, you know, a, your first grade teacher or someone like that from home, when you're like in Japan, you're like, wait, I know that person. You kind of experiencing it, you experience it in your gut before (laughs) you experience it in your brain. Well, it was, that was as best as I can describe the experience. I was in uh, JFK airport in New York city and I was literally looking for something to read and I was going through the books and I'm kind of, you know, thumbing through the books, going through like, you know, my head is sideways and I'm reading the title sideways, like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, have that book, have that book, read that. Well, this one could be interesting. Have that book. This book looks familiar. Hang on a second. That's my book. <laughs> so it kind of scares you. Like you see it, it's like shocks you first. And then it was, you know, and then it was like really cool. Um, and I've, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to have that experience a, a few times now where I've just been at bookstores and, and, um, you know, as an author, I'm not going to lie. Like when you're looking at the business book section, you kind of peek your head and you say, I wonder if they have any copies of, of the book. Um, and when they do, it's kind of a, uh, puts a smile on your face. So yeah, it's a cool experience. And if you talk to other authors, they'll, People have told me things like, oh, you should have signed it. You should have signed Robert Kiyosaki, I guess, signs the cover of the books. Like he has a gold or silver pen and he'll sign the actual cover. Um, and uh, I did none of that. I just kind of looked in and. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It's kind of neat that he does that, but that's all good. No, man, and hats off to you. I mean, you we said this before the call. You've been busting your ass. You know, you've got something that's just really. It's, you know, I, I have to. I have to apologize. I know your method, but I don't know it as deep as probably a lot of people might know it. But I know the, the use of surveys. I know some of your mentors. Um, I've you know I've gone through a lot of your material, but not all of it. Yep. Um, so <clears throat> it's just it's just a lot of hard work with something that really works and it really provides benefit to business owners. 
listeners. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, can we talk a little bit about the event that we were just mentioning? I mean, it's, I think it's just an impressive thing. If, if the book being on all the shelves, you know, everywhere you go and all these number one bestsellers list isn't um, a testament enough to the validity of what you teach, I think the fact that you can pack a room full of people paying $10,000 to learn this. And, and what is it that they're getting in, that, in, the, in the couple of days that they're with you? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. So we so we do a I do an intimate event in Austin, which is where we're based, and I'll bring in about twenty twenty five entrepreneurs, and the investment is ten thousand dollars, and we'll sit together in a room for three days, and we'll work through the entire ask methodology that I teach in the book, and we'll go beyond what is covered in the book, and so. What people walk away with after those three days together is a fully designed survey funnel from end to end. Much of their copy is sales copy, marketing copy is written. Uh, The exact product sequencing flow, their entire email sequence, what their landing page looks like, the survey design, the exact questions, how the questions are worded, the whole thing is done to the extent that all they need to do is hand it over to their technical team or tech person on their team to just set up the pages and put it all together. Now, one of the things that's interesting, which I thought was, was fascinating, is that whenever I've run one of these, generally speaking, everybody in the room has read the book cover to cover. Sometimes they've read the book multiple times, and sometimes they come to me with their copy of the book and it's all highlighted and right. notes the margins, etc. But every single time there's been this gap between what people have taken away from the book and the, the opportunity to learn more about the methodology. And the analogy that I think is most uh, appropriate is, in many ways, the ask methodology that I teach in the book is like an onion. And the book kind of peels away the first layer of that onion. And someone actually said this to me while we were at the last intensive. They said, you know, Ryan, the ask methodology is like seven layers deeper than what is actually covered in the book. And this has to do, Daryl, with a lot of the nuances in the psychology, nuances in the languaging. We spent a lot of time, for example, really coming up with the big idea that's going to be behind someone's quiz when they use a quiz as their primary lead acquisition model. And there are these nuances that are, and I know you appreciate this, sort of $10,000, 10,000-hour uh, uh, 10,000-hour nuances that you only pick up on after you've invested a substantial part of your life on something. Mm-hmm. And we've reached a point now where you know someone might say, well, $10,000, that sounds like a lot of money to invest. Well, it depends on the business. Mm-hmm. Um, there are businesses that you know, walk away from one of these intensives and they, they'll say, um, I had one in October uh, not too long ago who said the impact is going to be about $10 million to their business. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they say numbers like that is because, and I know the numbers I'm about to, to say are, are, are mind-boggling, but me personally, using this methodology, I'm currently generating about 52,000 email subscribers daily who go through one of my Ask-style quizzes online. And that amounts to about $178,000, $180,000 in revenue every single day. Mm-hmm. Those numbers are across 20, the 23 different markets that I'm currently in right now. 
So with numbers like that, it gives you the ability to test a lot of different ideas and gain an appreciation for the nuances between what works, what doesn't work. And some of that is just, frankly speaking, impossible to cover in the pages of a book. It requires seeing examples, hearing explanation of those examples. It requires revealing some what would otherwise be confidential information about split test results and what's worked and what hasn't worked. And so all of those reasons are why, you know, we have another sold out survey funnel intensive coming up this February and we already have another waiting list for the next one, which will likely run in June. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they say that's a good time to double, to double, you could double your prices and you'd have to lose half your customers before you, it would, it would hurt your bottom line. But yeah. I know you're really about helping people and giving back. So I know that that's also part of why you haven't necessarily done that yet, but it might I try to make this a no brain for the right business. This is a no brainer decision. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, there's only one of two reactions when people hear that type of investment. They say, oh, that I could never justify uh, investing that much in my business right now. That's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Or people say, let, let me sign up now before you change your mind and, and add a zero to that price. <laughs> Basically, it's only one of two reactions. And if they, if someone has the second reaction, then it's very clear that this is a, a right fit. And that's the way I want it to be, for it to be such a no-brainer. And for someone who's not quite ready, um, you know, we have other um, – you know, ways to, to, to learn the methodology as best as possible, starting with the book, which is, you know, I know we're going to give away some copies of the book. So, um, you know, there's, there's opportunities no matter what someone's budget might be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and a, bo- a book is often the best investment, especially if you're just getting started out, just getting started with someone's methodology or their approach or philosophy towards business, because you pour your heart and soul into the book, right? And I mean, for just a measly few bucks, you can get, you know, hours of almost just having them sit down with you and talk. I mean, books have been how we passed on knowledge, you know, since we started to write. So um, a book is always a great investment. And the book you book don't own, like, you can't read, yeah. and the book you don't read can't help you. So um, that's sorry, true. what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, no, you're absolutely right. And just from an, a straight ROI perspective, I mean, you, you it's almost <laughs> – I mean, it, you approach like infinity ROI when you think <laughs> about like, you know, you can get a copy of a book for just a few bucks. And you think about over the course of the rest of your life the amount of income that's going to help you produce for a book like this, it's, you know, you start doing the ROI calculation and even the ROI calculation on your time, which is frankly more valuable than uh, the money you invest in the book. And even so the hours that you invest in, you know, getting access to something like what we're talking about pays just dividends for the rest of your life. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I agree 180% with you on that one. So, um, yeah. So, uh, and even when you talk about the investment of the book, I mean, there's some great books out there. Everyone that all my followers should know that I'm a huge fan of Think and Grow Rich. Um, you know, I think that there's multi points, t- uh, touch points to being successful. It's not just one thing or another thing. You have to have a lot of cylinders firing at the same time. And I buy people copies of the book all the time because you can get it used on Amazon for like a buck. It's like 20 years worth of research on the world's most successful people, and it's a buck plus shipping. Like, how do you justify? You know what I mean? Like, I, some ways, I feel like if you can't just get started with that. Like, there's no hope. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm, I'm with you, my man. And I'll tell you what, I would not sell my copy of Think and Grow Rich. That thing is beat to heck. Yeah. It is dog-eared. I think the spine is broken. I've got a piece of masking tape holding it together. I've got highlighted. I've got highlights over the highlights because yeah. the original highlighting is all faded, so I had to re-highlight. Uh, <laughs> but that's, I mean, it, books like that, um, you know, change your life forever. And I know on a smaller scale, um, 
you know, uh, people have, have had similar feedback about the book ask just based on, you know, people, you know, it's, you're right. It's one of the, one of the things that's, that's most, um, fulfilling or gratifying about, um, you know, deciding to reveal, you know, what's effectively, what effectively is my secret family recipe is people reaching out to me on Facebook or by email or handwritten, you know, cards that come in the mail and say, Ryan, I'm so glad that you wrote this book. It's changed my life. Here's what it's done for me. And that's like, you know, that's, that more than anything, that more than like another thousand copies of the book sold, that means more than anything is getting notes like that. Oh yeah. And the good, the goodwill you build in this. Yeah. No, hands down, hands down. Um, I agree full, wholeheartedly. Now, I, there are some critics out there, and I want to bring up something, and I'm, I know we're going to beat this to snot, so it's almost not even a fair fight, but I just want to bring up one point, because I know I've heard other people just mention things, because they're like, how do you need a whole formula? Because even if you ask like a 10-point question or a 7-point question, you can't really – the, at least what I've heard is you can't really – you can't really segment more than one or two points at a time. What I, what I mean by that is if you have 10 questions, it's hard to – do you know what I mean? Like in your marketing, you can put people down a different path, but usually it's just one or two questions that determine where they go. Can you speak to that at all? Because some people are like, well, you can't really do a whole lot with a survey. You get too much info. You really can only use little pieces of it. Can you speak that to that a little bit? I don't know if that's – I clearly – Yeah, no, I, I totally understand the question. So I think the, the question is if you're using a survey – as a means to segment people into different groups based on the answers of the survey, are you limited to just using one or two of the questions, or can you take into account someone's entire response? And we'll get geeky technical here for a moment, but the answer is you can do either. So depending on what your situation is, it may make sense to ask even as simple as a single question. To find out which of the following best describes you. Are you A, B, C, or D? Choose one of the above, and I'll see you on the next page. And then that next page and everything thereafter is customized based on mm-hmm. the answers to that single question. Mm-hmm. So that's a very basic but extremely effective scenario. And I can't tell you how many markets that I've seen someone do that one step. It totally transforms their business. In one of the markets that I first entered when I was coming, uh, when I was getting online, it was a gardening market. And I was in a situation where I was initially, I entered a market by trying to send Google AdWords traffic to affiliate sales pages. Mm -hmm. And I tried every affiliate offer and none of them made any money at all. And I thought, well, I must be doing something wrong. So along the way, I had built up a small list of just, I think, less than 1,000 people, and I surveyed the list, and I found out that people fell into different buckets. There were four different buckets. And I found that by sending people to a generic sales letter, I was actually speaking to nobody. Because if you try to be all things to all people, in fact, effectively, you're nothing to nobody. Mm-hmm. And so then I said, well, what if I create four different versions of this sales letter and speak to the four different groups of people? And so one group were people who had a sick or dying plant. That's the reason why they were searching for help online. Mm-hmm. Another group was people who needed to repot their plant, specifically repotting. 
Second one is the plant lost all the flowers, and they didn't know how to get the flowers to come back or to uh, reflower. And then the third group were people who bought this plant and needed help from A to Z. So they're just getting started, just bought the plant, and they want to know the basics. Hmm. And we asked people to select one of those four options, and then the business skyrocketed. Um, once we started speaking specifically to where someone was at. So that's an argument for the first scenario that you gave, which is just Mm -hmm. a single question. And there's a ton of value in that. Now, there are other situations where asking one question as a means to segment people into different groups is just not enough data. You can't Mm -hmm. make an, an informed decision. You need to ask multiple questions. And for that, the way that you do that tactically is by using a scoring algorithm. And so, for example, maybe there are four possible outcomes, and you're trying to diagnose which outcome you want to, or which bucket you want to put people into. Great. So, but you can't do that by asking one question. So we do this in one of the weight loss funnels that I've developed, where we ask a series of questions to identify what someone's weight loss type is. And we ask questions about their body shape, where they carry their weight, uh, their energy levels. Do they tend to be hungry at certain times of day? And every question that we ask is designed to either add or subtract points mm. to one of the possible types. So in this market, there's type, a, there's type A, type C, type I, and type G, four different types. And every question that we ask is either plus minus, or neutral for each of those types. So, for example, if we ask a question, do you often get hungry after, soon after you've eaten a full meal? That's going to be a plus one toward type G because type G people tend to get hungry even after, after they have a full stomach. They don't have the feedback loop working properly that says, hey, stop eating, belly's full. Versus type I or type C, that's going to be zero. There's going to be no points added. So we're taking into account all these questions before we diagnose what someone's weight loss type is. And you do that by using a scoring system in the way that I described. Is that is that answer your question in terms of that's perfect how you would use both yeah i think that's an excellent question i think that was i mean like you said there's simple examples where maybe you got one of you know you're one of four and then you want to have a more direct conversation it's a simple one question you know survey or quiz that can then have you you know siphon them off to a more relevant conversation or like you say maybe it's there's more into it there's a lot more psychologically there's a lot more emotionally involved and so you really want to almost build a profile right it's not as simple as that so is there like a default for when someone's trying to figure out and use surveys you know they've got your book they've gone through stuff is there a default for how many answers they need before they can go okay i've got the data i need is it a continually evolving thing like how do you know when you've gotten enough answers for whatever it is that you're asking that's a great question so so in my world there's kind of two major types of surveys there's actually four but they're two major ones that we'll talk about. So the first one is, in my world, what we call a deep dive survey. And a deep dive survey is a series of open-ended questions. It's a survey that you generally run once with the expectation that you're going to stop running it, gather the data, analyze the data, and use the analysis to design the second type of survey. So that's the type of survey you're talking about when you describe, when you ask the question, is there a certain number of responses or enough data when enough is enough? So in the deep dive survey, the answer is yes. 
Generally speaking, I'm looking to get at least 500 responses. And the reason for that is because in my world, we focus on the what we call hyper-responsive survey takers, Mm -hmm. the segment of the market that yields the deepest, most passionate, longest, open-ended questions or open-ended answers. Mm -hmm. And with 500 total responses, if we 80-20 the market, meaning we focus on the top 20%, 20% is going to give us 100 hyper-responsive survey respondents. Okay, Mm. That's the reason for wanting to get 500 total responses. Now, if you're listening to this and you're saying, but wait, there's no way I can get 500 total responses. My, My email list is really small or I don't have the time to wait for that. Well, I'll answer that like this. Getting 100 total responses is certainly better than zero responses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of the way I look at the first type of survey, which is the deep dive survey and what we describe as a deep dive survey in my world. Second type of survey is, in my world, what we call a micro-commitment bucket survey, and that, in plain English, is a quiz. So a quiz is something in my world that becomes a permanent part of your lead acquisition strategy. This is not something that you run for a couple weeks, get the data, and take it down. This is something that conceivably will run for years and years and years on your website as a means to learn about your customer base, segment them into different directions, and provide customized follow-up and customized solutions to those different segments. So if we look at these two broad buckets, deep dive survey, open-ended responses that you, uh, it's a survey that you run once to gather market data to help you design your micro-commitment bucket survey. Mm-hmm. Micro-commitment bucket survey is, think of it as like a quiz, which is designed to, it's close-ended questions, so multiple choice, so not open-ended, multiple choice questions designed to, for example, like we just talked about, learn uh, what weight loss type someone is. Mm-hmm. or learn uh, what gardening situation they're in. So instead of giving them a generic solution you can pres- or a one-size-fits-all solution, you can prescribe a, a tailored solution, a tailored messaging, tailored sales letter, tailored autoresponder email sequence based on their answers to their survey. Mm. And that's permanent. That never goes away. Got it. Yeah, that becomes a consistent, steady, front, reliable front end. People come through, and then you know who they are, and you know how to talk to them because you did the deep dive, you did your research, and now you're basically building your business model around kind of a couple of avatars. Is that correct? That's, that's, that's exactly right. And the reason why this works so well is, if you think about it, human nature is such that people don't want a generic solution. Mm-hmm. Human nature will never change, and people will always want something that's more tailored to them. And what we're doing is we have a methodology that you can do this online and in scale. If you're in a business where you're working one-on-one with your clients, you do this naturally, right? You ask questions to find out someone's situation, and then you prescribe a custom solution for them. Mm -hmm. Even if your solution is the same for everybody, you're talking about that solution in slightly different ways based on the conversations you've had with your prospect. But what we're doing is we're just taking that same process and we're doing it online. And why are we doing a quiz? 
Well, we're doing a quiz because a quiz is a very persuasive, very curiosity-inducing structure that you can use online. People love taking quizzes. Mm -hmm. And when designed right, you can get in some markets, I have upwards of five, even 10, in some markets, 12 and 13, 14, 15,000 people per day, 15,000 human beings every single day that take one of my quizzes designed in the way that we're describing right here. That's awesome. That is so awesome. So my next question here, I guess, um, would probably be on scaling those. You talked about getting 15,000 people. I know this because this is, I mean, as far as any type of marketing, you know, internet marketing, offline, online marketing, doesn't matter. It comes down to traffic and conversion. So I know people that they're great traffic masters. They completely suck at conversion. If you feel that's you and you're listening to this call, just get Ryan's book. Just do yourself the favor. Just get the book. Just It'll be a great place to start and just start your journey there. But then there's other people that they're great at conversion, but then they can't even get the traffic. So can you speak to that at all? Like how do you – I mean obviously you can buy – I mean – I always say there's only three ways to get traffic, buy it, borrow it, or create it. And creating it would be building your own list, building your own following, which is long-term over time. Like you mentioned, you've sold 50,000 copies of your book. You've now got your own traffic, your own audience, but you had to build that over time. Borrow it. It's like this. You come on my show. I introduce you to my people. Some of them will like what you have to say, and they'll want to come and follow you too. And then you can buy it where you can run ads. But can you speak to that at all? Like how do people – like the scaling out part, because I'm sure you get people that they're like, Ryan, I've got my answers and I got my quiz and I got, you know, my frontal set up and I got this. And then they're trying to figure out how to get it growing. And I know you've scaled a couple of <laughs> a couple of different businesses. So can you speak to that? Like at least the phases of scaling where you kind yeah. of turn to first traffic sources, um, anything along those lines? For sure. So from a scaling perspective, what we're talking about here is once we've designed the quiz, Once we have an offer at the back end of the quiz, meaning someone goes to your website, they land on a landing page, they click on a button, they answer a bunch of quiz questions, they enter their email address to get the results of their quiz. Well, at the end of that, after they opt in, what do they see next? Well, what they see next is going to be some sort of offer, Mm -hmm. and it's related to the the results of the quiz. And in my world, in a nutshell, the way that looks like is someone takes a quiz and you offer value in exchange for their email address. So oftentimes that will mean you give them not only the results of their quiz, but you also give them what I call the Band-Aid fix. So for example, in the weight loss type funnel, as an example, we'll have people who go through that funnel and they'll find out what their weight loss type is, they enter their email address, and then after they find out what their weight loss type is, we will give them free information. So we'll say, hey, based on the results of your quiz, you are weight loss type G. Now, here's the reason why we're saying this, and here's what type G looks like. We give them that information. Then we say, now, as a type G person, let me walk you through some foods that you should eat foods that you should avoid, and some exercises that are particularly useful for type G individuals. That's all free. At the end of that, we say, now, if you're like most people, you might be wondering, well, is there anything that you can do to either enhance or speed up your effort? And the answer is yes. We have a program, a protocol that's designed to help people with type G weight loss type, and here's what that looks like. So we offer the Band-Aid fix for free, 
but no different than if you were to walk into the doctor's office. The doctor might give you a sample of aspirin or medication that you can take to kind of alleviate your immediate symptoms. But if you are going to go through surgery, that's not going to be free, right? You're going to have to you want to solve the underlying problem, you're going to have to pay for that solution. So that's kind of the model. Now, to answer your direct question, I just wanted to make sure people understood how we're making money by sending people through a quiz, because the question might be, I don't get it. I send people through a quiz, then what? Well, we're trying to monetize that traffic immediately. We're trying to sell people on a paid solution immediately. And for the people who don't buy immediately, we've captured their email address. So we're going to try to monetize that traffic through email, right? Because only a portion of people will buy right away. And if they're not willing to invest in the type G weight loss type program, well, we have the opportunity to sell them more things down the road, okay? So that's the, that's the model in a nutshell. Now, in terms of scaling that, where do you start? Well, typically, what, we, what I like to, I, like, I look at traffic as a bullseye archery target, And what I mean by that is if you can imagine an actual archery target looking at the bullseye, the bullseye is very small, but it's where you want to aim. So the bullseye would be who is the absolute perfect person to be taking this quiz that we think they are very likely to purchase from us. So when we're scaling out traffic campaigns, we're starting very, very small. It might be super tightly targeted from a keyword perspective. If it's an existing business, we might be using on Facebook a lookalike audience of existing customers and overlaying that audience on top of uh, a keyword or an interest that we think is very relevant for this. Like, for example, type G corresponds to the hormone ghrelin, which is known as the hunger hormone. So we might target people with who have an interest in ghrelin, if that's even available, right? Um, so that's our bullseye. It is great traffic, but like most bullseyes, it's small. So then we have to move one concentric circle out. And you keep moving down that path, and as you move concentric circles out, the amount of traffic available becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. But at the same time, because you're moving further and further away from your archery target, the ROI on that traffic goes down, down, down. Mm -hmm. So your ROI on your bullseye traffic, you might make 150% ROI on day zero. What that means is for every dollar you spend on Facebook, you're making $1.50 back that day. But you're only going to get like 10 people. That's right. it. That's the max. That's as many people as you can fit in that little bullseye dot, right? right? But then we move one level out, and maybe we go from 150% to 100%. So on an aggregate bullseye plus one concentric circle out, we're still making like 110% ROI. For every dollar we put into Facebook, we're not doing as well as the bullseye, but we're still making a dollar ten. And instead of getting 10 people a day, we're getting 100 people a day. Awesome. We move one level out. That takes us to 1,000 people a day. Mm -hmm. But at this level, at that outer ring, we're only making like 60 cents back. So for every dollar we spend on Facebook, we're only making 60 cents back. We're losing 40 cents. On the average, it takes our average to about 85% return on investment. Mm -hmm. So for every dollar we spend on Facebook, we're making 85 cents back. We're losing 15 cents per person. Mm -hmm. But... We're looking at this this way. We're saying, man, we're getting over a thousand people a day 
to take our quiz. That's a thousand email addresses I'm adding to my list that I know I'm going to be able to sell more things to. I'm going to be able to develop a relationship with. I'm going to be able to uh, uh, get them to buy more products and services. So I know I'm losing money on day zero, but I'm going to make money in the first 30 days. And then as a business, it just becomes how much of a risk tolerance do you have? How much are you willing to go in the hole and lose money right away in order to make money later? Mm-hmm. And the bigger, the bigger companies out there, they have typically bigger, deeper pocketbooks, and they're willing to go longer. Mm-hmm. As an example, you're familiar with the – I think you are. You're familiar with the um, – skincare company proactive yeah yeah we met met greg ranker at the event yeah yeah. great so proactive uh guthy ranker is the parent company proactive i did some work with proactive you want to know how long they go before breaking even on a new customer oh i think uh i've heard someone this is probably years back though i think it was dan kenny saying something they go like four months or six months or something they send you like four months worth of product before they actually make a dime is that 18 months. What? They lose money for 18 months. Why? Because they know that once someone starts using Proactive, more than likely they're going to be a customer for five, six, seven, ten years. Mm. They've been in business long enough to know that if we lose money for 18 months, we're going to be able to make money for the next eight years or whatever it is. So. When you're competing against businesses like that, the reason why Guthy Ranker and Proactive is able to be so big and go after so much media is because they're willing to go in the hole. Now, if Proactive said, you know what, we need to break even, we need to make money the same day. So if we spend $100 on advertising, we need to make $100 in profit back today, their business would be one thousandth of the size that it is today. Right, right. And so that's the decision point as a business. It's not about do you want to be big or do you want to be small? Everybody, for the most part, you know, I think there's some people who don't want to make more money. Most people want to make more money. But that's kind of the decision point is what's your risk? How much are you willing to go in the hole Mm -hmm. for how long? Because that's going to dictate how many people you're willing to, uh, you know, how many new customers you're willing to acquire in your business. Right, right. Now, just as a caveat, so none of the listeners go decide to go spend their life savings on this. This is data driven, right? This isn't. There's some gambling involved, but I'm sure they didn't just throw everything. This is all about knowing your numbers, exactly. So typically, you know, if we were to go back in time. You know, Guthy Ranker and Proactive specifically has been the number one or one of the number one skincare products in the world, definitely in the United States. And I would don't quote me on this number. Let's say it's at least 25 years, okay. right? So if we went back in time 25 years ago, I think it would be safe to assume, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think it'd be safe to assume that their break-even number wasn't 18 months. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it would have been 30 days. Maybe it would have been 60 days, but that's the, the point is the longer you're in business and the, the number that – the key number, the big takeaway from this is the more you know your lifetime customer value, yeah. the more accurately you know that number, the more you can confidently invest. And it's not a – it, it is an investment. It is an investment. Invest in advertising. Right. So when we're talking about that – you know, the you can buy traffic, yeah. we're talking about that third category because when – you know your numbers. Um, the other categories that you're describing are effectively you're buying traffic, but just with a different currency. Right. 
Right, right. Either buying with your time, you're buying with relationship capital, you're buying with a, you know a favor that you're doing for someone. You're buying it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just in a different type of currency. Yeah. No, I agree. And you can either and some people either they're profit driven or they're growth driven. And if you invest in growth and you do it right, your profit will be exponentially higher than if you just tried to play. To, to, to That's a great point. And I know that's kind of a tangent from our like little conversations, like taking a few different directions, but I want to underscore that point because most people don't get this. And it took me a while to actually appreciate this because I had a business that was very profitable, but wasn't growing super duper fast. And then in recent years, I decided to make a massive investment in growth and my top line numbers for the business got much bigger. But interestingly enough, my profit shrank. And that frustrated me. And I thought, well, why the hell am I doing this? Like, I could just have a nice little business that makes a very nice profit and kind of stays at the same level every single year. And why the hell am I doing this to myself? Like, putting all this money in growth. Well, here's the thing growth and profit are diametrically opposed forces. You can't be in a fast growth, by definition, you cannot be growing at a high rate and profiting a lot. Because, by definition, Growth comes from reinvesting your profits back into the business. Mm. So if you want to grow, if you want to grow your business from wherever you are now to, let's call it, you know, say you're doing $500,000 in top line mm. revenue and you want to grow to $5 million, you want to 10x your business. Well, you're going to have to reinvest your money, your time into the business to get to that level. So it really just comes down to how much are you willing to reinvest? If you make 20% profit, so you have $100,000 in profit, so that's the, that, that's the money that you, you, know, you, you and your family have to use, well, how much of that do you want to reinvest into your business? If you put half of it, $50,000 into growth, you're going to grow faster as long as you make smart decisions than if you put 10%, $10,000 back into the company. So um, you brought up a really great point, and I see people, you know, people who say, well, Ryan – um, you know, I'm barely able to get, you know, 10 people a day. I ask, well, how much are you willing to uh, go below break even on your business? How much are you willing to invest in yourself so you make less money today so you can make more money tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And it's not just about money. It's more about impact, mm-hmm. right? Like what do you, what do you care about yeah. more? Yeah. Is it about, you know, taking care of your family and having freedom, which is fine, or are you looking to make a massive impact in this world? And impact comes with making sacrifices. Yeah, and you know it's funny. <clears throat> I, I mean, I know we're 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 almost running short on time, but I, I really want to talk about this because I've got you know, I mean, I do interviews with self-made millionaires and seven-figure business owners, eight-figure business owners, and I've got a good network of friends. I'm very very fortunate. And what you just mentioned comes up a lot. I feel like as soon as people achieve financial freedom, where they've got like the next six months of bills covered, you know, type thing, it really does become a thing about impact. I got a buddy; he's doing a quarter of a million net a month, and I remember when we were having a conversation. He was like, he felt like he was wasn't having a big enough impact on the world. And I was like, dude, like you're, you're doing a quarter of a million clear selling like $40 products. Like, you know, like he, he, I don't know too many people at his level as far as what he does. Um, but I'm just in, it was, he, it was that need for like, you know, like, it's great. I know I'm taking care of, but then there's like a need for significance. And a lot of people listening to this, they might be like, if I was doing that, I'd be kicking on the beach. No, you wouldn't. You, the, a lot of people, I don't know the stat, but I guarantee do the research. A lot of people just retire, just die. Like, 
that's it. Like the Japanese, I lived in Japan, Ryan mentioned it before, and they have a very firm belief. They have, right now they have one of the longest life expectancies in the world, and they have a very firm belief that work helps that, to have a purpose and a reason to get up in the morning. So even though you've got everything covered, you just can't be like a lazy sloth. You're going to hate yourself. You're going to feel like you, your life has no purpose. In fact, a friend of mine just went to Cuba with a bunch of buddies and two of them, um, two of them had just sold their company for something like seven or eight million dollars. Okay, these are older guys, right? The older guys, 50s, 60s. And the one guy went home to be with his family. The other guy, they traveled the world for a little bit after and then the one partner went home to be with his family and the other guy went to Peru. Well, he killed himself. He killed himself. He hung himself in his hotel room. The guy's like three, four million dollars cash in the bank but he's 60 years old. He's got no wife, no kids, no family, no influence. His life purpose and passion they just sold and gave away. So he felt like he had nothing left. And so when you talk about the impact, that's a huge thing. People, it's like they wake up. You know what I mean? Like it's because I think in, when you're in when you're in it and you're worried about the end of the month so much, you know, and you haven't done things right, it's hard to see past that. But once you can see past that, it really is about leaving a legacy. Like your book, you're going to live on well past your years with your book because already you've got 50,000 people. They're going to go do things. They're going to tell other people to read this book and how it's helped them. And that's what I really think it comes down to at the end. I mean, a lot of people, if you're not doing business from the place of trying to either make the world better or help other people, it's short-sighted. I mean, I had a talk with Yannick Silver about this, and it's it's the way of the future. Like, you just, you know, to have a business that, like, especially with social media and how transparent things are, there's not really, you know, you're not going to be able to scam people and con people for long, for well. And even if you do make that, it's just a, it's a terrible way to live. So... Um, I think you're right. It does become about impact. So you might be making a tidy profit, but at some point you'll be frustrated and you'll want to do more, be more. You're like, you know, this might be remarkable to other people, but it's easy for me now because of all the cumulative days I put into it. And now you want to, you know, you want to reach that next level. So I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad you went into that because I think it really is about having an impact on people. I mean, these podcasts, I give them away. A lot of people said I should charge for them, but I give them away because it's about having an impact. You know, I got my cup bills covered. I got, you know, things are okay. It's really just about trying to make a difference. So, um, that's great. Yeah. That's great, my man. I'm glad you do what you do and, you know, you have a great show. So I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you made that decision. The world is a better place. Um, now that you're, you know, Aww. with you doing this. Oh, so. thanks, man. Group sure. hug. <laughs> group, group hug, absolutely. So, all right, before we uh, run out of time, I wanted to ask about your team because this is actually something, I know you're the survey funnel guy and all this yep. stuff, but I also know, just through observation even, that you're really good with teams and team building. And I, you talk about having businesses in multiple industries. I mean... I don't even not necessarily know what the question is to ask, but like, are, what are the key roles in a business? How do you know when to do a hire? And how do you, can you answer that in like four minutes or less? Yeah. So, um, short answer is all the different markets that I'm in, the relationship that I have is there's an existing business, typically like a, we'll call it, you know, I don't use a specific name, but a, a company like a Guthy Ranker, for example, mm-hmm. will have an existing business and will work together to design, build, manage, and develop a, a survey funnel that is a lead acquisition strategy. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, it becomes very successful, the number one most successful strategy in their business, and they put virtually 100% of their investment traffic into one of these funnels. The way I'm compensated, my company's compensated, is a percentage of the gross sales generated through that funnel. So that is the, that's really the, the previous business model that I built 
the ask methodology off of that experience. So I executed that business model for years and years and years. Then when I shifted my focus from being a behind-the-scenes company generating all these results um, in partnership with other a handful of private um, client partners, um, we shifted our focus to becoming an education company. And so while I still have those relationships in place, that's not an, an aspect of the business that we're growing. So we're not looking to get into 24 markets or 25 Instead, what we're looking to do is teach the methodology. So our company, the way it's designed as far as teaching, um, because there are a couple things. So I would say as far as practical tips, number one, we have a virtual company. Um, we're 20-something full-time team members now, um, and we're spread across the United States. We've got people in London, Australia. We've got people in a few different places around the world, mostly in the United States and a few people in Canada. Um, and um, as far as constructing the team, what I found is that the best team members are uh, people who believe in the mission who believe in what we're doing, who are fans, in our case, of the methodology. So we find people in our community, wherever possible, to bring them onto the team. Mm -hmm. So I say that, so no matter what business that you're in, if you're selling soap, you've got a customer out there mm -hmm. who would just die to become part of your team. She's buying your soap right now, but if you brought her in and said, hey, would you be open to managing my social media, that person is going to come in with more fire than someone who's just a hired gun who does social media for soap, for gasoline companies, for uh, you know concrete companies. Like You're going to find, in my experience, more success bringing on those passionate fans of what it is that you're doing. So that would be a tip. The other tip I would say is every hiring decision I've made, uh, maybe with one or two exceptions, my response has always been, why the hell didn't we hire a person to do this job sooner? Right. So in other words, I've always taken longer than I should have to make a hiring decision. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Because you get so busy and you don't want to take the time to hire, because it's a pain. You have to find you know, find someone, hire them. If they don't work out, you have to rehire them. But when you get the right person, my God, what a difference it can make. And there's also money, too. You know, you yeah. think, can we afford? Again, it's, it's, this comes full circle with our conversation around investing. So when we hired our first employee, my wife and I, who founded the business with me, we looked at each other and we said, can we really afford this? Can we afford to pay someone like another four or $5,000 a month? That's money that we depend on to put food on the table, mm -hmm. to pay our mortgage, to pay our bills. Mm -hmm. Like, can we afford it? Yes or no. And we took a leap. And what ends up happening is you free so much of yourself on work that's 10, 15, 20, $25 an hour work that then you can open up yourself to working on five, six, $700 an hour work that you can't outsource as easily. And so that story has played itself out virtually every time that we've added someone to the team. That's awesome. And very well said. Very, very, very well said. So now, if you had to start from zero all over again, Ryan, what would you do? If you had to like go back and rebuild, it was you with your laptop in your room again, how would you start? Well, if I had no money in the bank, um, I'd probably consult. I'd probably do consulting um, in the short term. I 
you know, if I told you what my hourly rate is for consulting, you, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, um, it's thousands of dollars an hour. Uh, there was a time when I charged like $50 an hour for consulting and just scaled that up. So I would make a bunch of money quickly through consulting. And then after that, because that's not a scalable business model, there's no time freedom on that. Once I had enough money kind of packed away, I take that money and I would enter one of the three big markets. So either um, health, wealth, or relationships, and I don't know what that would be now, but I pick one of those three, and I would build a survey funnel and send people to the top-performing affiliate offers based on how they answer the, uh, the quiz that I develop. So in other words, I wouldn't build, spend any time building my own products or anything like that. I would enter the market by basically being the guy who diagnoses someone's situation and prescribes the absolute best affiliate offer based on where a prospect is coming from. So I'm going to take the best of the best products in the market and I'm going to prescribe them to different segments based on which one's most appropriate. I love and that's that. a model that anyone can follow. I love that, yeah, because I see that all the time. Diagnostic, was it prescription without diagnostic is malpractice. I love that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So well said. So for everyone listening to this call, um, I, we are do, how many how many copies are we giving away? I I don't remember. I, don't know. I think uh, Esther yeah. said twenty five to fifty copies. So cool. we've got a promo code. Let me. I should probably have already had this on hand, but um, I got it. I've got it in front of me, and I'm going to give a. Uh, I want to make sure you and I have the same URL. So the URL that you want to go to to if you want to get a copy of the book, ask if you don't already have it, and you'd love to get a copy. If you go to uh, getaskbook.com, so getaskbook.com. And there's going to be a couple different options. Go to the checkout page for the book and enter in the coupon code Best Business Podcast. Best Business Podcast. And click apply. It's going to ask you to apply. And um, once you type that code in, if there are copies remaining, it'll take the price of the book down to zero. I think we just asked you to pay a, a small uh, shipping cost of just a few bucks, and we'll ship it to you anywhere in the world. So if you are in Japan, um, we have readers in Japan, uh, I'll send it to you in Japan, I'll send it to you in Africa, I'll send it to you no matter where you are, um, and we'll do this until we run out of the copies we've set aside um, to do this. So um, Daryl, I think that covers it. We'll make sure that we have the URL to... Um, uh, if you want to post it and the coupon code. But other than that, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. And I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to share again, to be here with you. I always enjoy our conversations. And uh, it was a absolute pleasure. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, What three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give to them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. 
I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.